Welcome to Voices of the Valleys, a series interviewing growers, entrepreneurs, educators, and technologists who are inventing new solutions for today's and tomorrow's challenges on the farm. Brought to you today by Nova Home, helping growers grow with heart and soil. Find out more at novihum.com. Now, here's your Voices of the Valleys host, Director of Western Growers Center for Innovation and Technology, Dennis Donahue. Good morning and welcome to uh, Voices of the Valleys. We have, uh, we have a fun guest uh, joining this morning, uh, uh, Natasha Shields, uh, who is an organic farmer from Australia. And uh, she's on the road uh, as part of the Nuffield uh, Scholarship Program out of uh, Australia. And uh, California is her last stop before she heads home for a bit. So, Natasha, welcome. Thanks, Dennis. Happy to be here. Well, no, I'm um, delighted, delighted to have you and talk uh, about a couple of things. First of all, just your operation in Australia, what you, what what you do, you and your husband and family farming, and then and then tell us a little bit about the scholarship program because it's I think it's really unique uh, on the planet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we are certified organic vegetable growers in Australia. We have two farms. Uh, one is uh, 40 acres on the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria and 100 acres up in Barham, which is uh, a small town on the Murray River between New South Wales and Victoria. Uh, we've been farming certified organic for 10 years. Uh, we have four children and I gave up a career in IT to help my husband do the farm. We do farmers markets, we do wholesale, we do a farm store on the farm, and we have started into a major supermarket in Australia. So are you a fairly typical operation in terms of size and then and then what's your what's your involvement in the operation per se? Are you are you farming or are you more the go to market side? How do you how do you get involved? <laughs> okay, so I'll call us probably a mid sized farm in Australia in the organic industry. Um, we do farmers markets, as I said. I do a farmers market myself personally every Saturday and every Sunday. I do all the bookwork. I manage the shop and the shop staff. Um, I have gone into market once or twice into the wholesale market. I have gone into the farm a little bit, but not so much. I don't get my hands that dirty. <laughs> <laughs> we have 25 staff who do most of that work for us. Okay, so most certainly a family business, though. Yes, yes. Wayne is fifth generation. Um, he started the farm from scratch, basically, once the farm was dormant for a number of years when his parents retired. Okay, terrific. Um, talk a, a little bit about, before we kind of jump into uh, maybe some of your observations uh, moving around the planet, talk a little bit about the Nuffield Scholarship Program. Okay, so the Nuffield Scholarship Program is a program that came about by uh, Lord William Morris, um, he was the inventor of the Morris motor vehicle car. Um, he studied the practices of Henry Ford and he wanted to take his findings into agriculture. Um, he was very passionate about agriculture and wanted to give other people and farmers um, an opportunity to research and innovate in the agricultural field. And this started back in the 1940s. And so each year there's a new class of scholarship winners, right? Yes. Yeah, so this year in, in um, Australia there were 17 scholars awarded. Um, internationally there were 77 scholars awarded, including two from the United States. Um, I think there was uh, 22 from the United Kingdom, five from Ireland, and a few others from other countries around the world. And so describe the program, because this is, uh, you know, you're, uh, I've been welcoming uh, uh, scholars for the last... Uh, this would be the, th the third, third summer now, and, and uh, you, I mean, it, it sounds awfully exciting. You get to uh, move around the, 
the globe and you kind of rely on uh, just contacting a network to uh, find out uh, who you're going to be with as you go from town to town or country to country as it were. Sure, yeah. So I've just come off the back of a six-week uh, global focus program that Nuffield puts us on. So they plan the whole itinerary. Uh, basically, a group of scholars attend six countries in six weeks uh, to learn and explore agriculture and innovations around the world and bring back any knowledge and insights back home, as well as sharing knowledge and um, experience that we have on with farmers and organisations that we meet around So the do world. you just make one trip, or, or is there more than one as far as the program itself? So the program for Australians is it's a 16-week program. Six weeks of that is um, determined by Nuffield. They organise the trip and you attend one of five or six trips planned throughout the year. And then we go back and do our independent research. So to apply for a Nuffield scholarship, we uh, put forward an idea or something that we would like to research, um, learn more about. And once chosen or uh, selected as a Nuffield scholar, then they, um, they provide us with a bursary, which enables us to travel around the globe and research that topic individually. So where have you been? Uh, on my Global Focus program, I went to Singapore, then Japan, then Indonesia, then France, Nova Scotia and Canada, West Virginia, Washington DC, and I said goodbye to my friends yesterday, and I've now got three days in California um, before I head home. Then you're heading home, okay. Yeah. So uh, what's, uh, when you go home and talk about your trip a little bit, what, sta what stands out? I think one of the main take-homes for me is we're not alone in the issues that we're facing in the agricultural world. Um, I think the age of farmers, the average age of farmers worldwide is you know, fairly high, um, you know, in some countries as high as 67 years old for an average farmer, I think 54 in different parts of the US and I think Australia is quite similar. Labour issues, cost of labour, um, finding labour, finding people who want to work on the farm. Um, is another large issue that we have. So that's just a challenging issue no matter where you go. Wherever you go, that seems to be the biggest challenge and finding people that want to, want to do farming. Um, successional farming, it seems to be a difficult thing to do. In a lot of cultures, um, the children of farmers want to go out into the cities and find high paid jobs and do university and become a doctor or a, you know, or a lawyer or work at a coffee shop because they do tend to get paid better than a farmer. Yeah, those must be some coffee shops in Australia, so we'll have to... Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's uh, one of the things I was struck by when we were visiting, you know, your, your observations about Japan and kind of shifting uh, from, from a rice-based diet to more, more bread and starch and that type of thing. That, that's kind of interesting because having done business in Japan over the years, you know, usually there's some sort of centralized nudge to move in a different direction. That, that's, that's kind of an interesting shift if, as you observe it. Absolutely. I would... That blew me away that they're shifting away from rice, not all over, but there is a massive shift to shift away from rice into wheat growing. I think it might be an easier crop to grow and uh, the Western diet is coming um, a lot into Japan. I think they're taking on that diet. Because rice is a somewhat, and I'm not as familiar with it, I need, I need to get, <laughs> get, get up to Sacramento and uh, meet some of the rice growers, but that, that's somewhat labor-intensive, isn't it? It is very labor-intensive. Yeah, so the, they're done with quite um, you know, slow mechanizations, what we saw in the right, right. over there. Yeah, no, that, that's interesting. What, what else uh, caught your attention? Uh, what else? Um, I suppose other issues that other farmers have as far as um, pest control, weed management, 
um, you know, fertilising, um, and I'm speaking from a horticultural area here, um, we all have the same issues, you know, quality of water, um, you know, climate change is a massive topic that came up, you know, global warming, um, there are some of the other you know, major issues. Now, are you 100% organic in, uh, in farming? Yes, yeah, we're certified organic. Uh, how is, uh, is that market uh, growing rapidly or steadily? Uh, is it plateaued? Uh, in Australia, I would say we're growing steadily. It's, um, it's not, it hasn't really slowed down. It seems to be year on year. We're increasing every year. Not, I wouldn't say rapid growth, but I would say quite a steady growth as more people become aware of chemicals on their food and, you know, um, perceived health benefits of organic eating. And it sounds like we, we certainly know if we're in the agricultural business that uh, Australia has had significant water challenges, drought challenges over the years. And, um, you know, I, I don't I don't get the uh, I'm not sure what your news, the Melbourne mm. Times or, yeah. or keep up with Sky TV, et cetera. But it sounds like the drought uh, situation is back back again and kind of yeah. full force so what's been the uh how's australia dealing with that and were there any things that kind of carried over from the last time in terms of you know whether it's technology practices uh um for us we have two farms on two different parts of the country and we did that for risk management we thought we had water security on one of the farms which is why we did that um, at the time we bought that other farm our home farm was in drought so we thought we'd had excess water, we could you know, grow our crops year round. Now for the last two years and moving forward into the next 12 months, the water allocation that we have bought is not available to us. We can buy temporary water, but it's costing us around twenty dollars to $25,000 a month to water our crops. Then there are other parts of the country that have had major flooding um, back in January, February this year, and the water's been pushing sort of from the north down through to the south. So some farmers that were in drought now have access to water, but there's still, you know, still a lot to be done in that space. Like, what's uh, and as you've moved around the world, and then from your experience or as part of your shopping list, when you think about technology and innovation, what's the landscape like for that in in Australia? And when you think about some of your challenges, what 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 are you thinking about? What's on your wish list? Uh, as far as water, well, and and or and how technology um, and innovation in general can be helpful. Certainly, as far as water, and obviously you've got labor issues. So, what are what are are, are there any observable technology trends in in Australia? Um, look, there's now there's um, equipment out there that I've seen on this tour alone. Uh, robotics uh, is uh, starting to feature out there. I think. Uh, robotic weed control, which is something that we'd be very interested in, given that our labour cost is um, or more than a third of our turnover every year. Uh, they're uh, um, you know, available in Australia and obviously worldwide are, are water management systems, uh, automated watering, which is something that we're not in that space just yet. Just you know, We're still too new a company to afford that technology. So I think there's a lot of technologies out there, but they come at a cost, and you need to, I guess, prioritise and work out what you can afford. How are how are, how are crops typically watered? Uh, I mean, are you, are you drip flood? How, uh, so how? both of our farms are overhead sprinkler lines. Okay. Uh, we have a pump on each one. So on our home farm, we have four dams. I think you call them ponds here, uh, run by a pump. Um, my husband goes around from pump uh, from um, 
station to station and turns pumps on and turns pumps off just to water the different crops throughout the day. Uh, and this is in the summer and um, autumn months when it's you know dry. Uh, the other farm, same deal. We It's all manual process. We go and flick one switch on, go and flick another one off and rotate because the pump just can't handle watering right. all of the crops all at the same time. So a little automated help down the road would be on the hit list. For sure, yeah. yeah. If you've got to spare 120000 or so, that would be great. That, <laughs> that, that, uh, that minor detail. Exactly. Yeah, you, you yeah. just need to... You need to hit a market. Yeah. We do. So, how do the markets work in Australia? Is it? I mean, is everything pretty much on a spot market, or is a certain percentage of your um, business uh, on contract? Or uh, no. So, there's no fixed contract with what we grow for wholesale market. Uh, we we talk to our agents and they give us a wish list of what they would like us to grow. Then it depend. Then it comes down to you know we might grow like a ton of cabbages a week if that's what they've asked for. Um, Sometimes we deliver on that and somebody else has already come in before us and they've gotten into the spot before us. It's, it's a little bit difficult, it's a challenge. There's nothing in writing um, to say we will take this much. So it is on us a little bit to, you know, have a bit of, not trust, but, you know, flexibility with where we can move our product to food right. growers and then can't so you need, so So you need a couple of different outlets. And I, For sure. And I noted that uh, you're starting to go direct with Coles and uh, yes. I, I assume uh, that's... that's that's a good thing. That's that's you know to get them as part of your customer list is a uh, something that uh, folks look to do in your neck of the woods. Yeah, I think so. I just think it's a good idea not to put all of your eggs in one basket. You now we started off with farmers markets, and that's what's helped grow our brand and our our farm and our business. Um, but yeah, we couldn't rely on farmers markets alone. We couldn't rely on wholesale alone. Like I think we just need to spread the risk across the board. Have a few little baskets to um, you know poke our produce into and. Yeah, it helps it helps with cash flow. <laughs> well, as you know, and you're uh, you're getting ready to uh, to head home. Do you do you feel like this has been beneficial and that you've learned some things that you can take back to the business and give you? Uh, it, it sounds like just visiting, and it's a. I think anyone who's been in the industry, it's a it's a place where generally we've all been at one time or another. You know, it it, it can be pretty it, the marketplace and can be a pr- pretty pretty tough deal. Does all of this make you a little more optimistic about the future? Um, yeah, look, I think so. The, like I've seen innovations out there. I understand that we're not alone. It's good to see that other countries do have similar issues to ourselves. So I don't think we're banging our heads up against a wall. Just need to be patient, uh, hang in there, um, you know, maybe look at doing some processing down the line rather than just doing, um, you know, fresh produce. Now, maybe there's a niche market in there that we can sort of improve cash flow and adopt different systems, you know, to avoid some of the waste that we are getting on crops that we grow and then can't sell. And I know, you, you know, and talk a little bit about, we'll finish finish up with this, you know, one of the, one of the projects you uh, were, or, or you're interested in, in terms of where you want to focus a little bit is uh, uh, alternatives and packaging and, uh, uh, yes. that, and, and then I know you have a general interest in sustainability. How, what does all that look like from a practical standpoint? You know, obviously, it may help you in terms of how do you find additional value in your in, in your products and that you, that you're growing. Uh, do you feel like you've uh, um, learned some things that'll be helpful in terms of packaging and uh, and giving you some ideas on what you're going to want to do with uh, what you're currently growing? Um, look, I haven't found the answer I'm looking for just yet, but I do still have another six weeks of my travel where I hope to find some more answers. 
But yeah, as you said, I am looking for alternatives to plastic packaging on fresh produce, so a bioplastic, uh, something that will still keep your, your, um, you know, your lettuce or your spinach fresh, um, but can be composted into the garden so you're not creating more, wa- more plastic waste. Okay. Um, as you know, there's a massive um, issue with plastic um, in the environment at the moment, causing damage to our waterways. And and, and when you get back, so uh, uh, how many of your peers, um, so how, ma- how many coming from Australia? Because part of the program, as I understand it, is at some point your group get, does get together also. Yes. And, so there's, and there's some cross-pollination with that. Exactly. So we just, like I said, we've just had our global focus program where 10 of us have been on this journey together. Um, I have until March next year to generate a report and report my findings. And at September next year at the Australian Nuffield Conference, we will present our findings to um, the attendees of the conference. So that's when we'll all come back together again. We're all studying different topics. So, you know, I'm studying that. There's animal welfare being studied, um, arable farming. There's lots of different aspects being studied. We will all present our findings at the conference in September next year. Well, it sounds like a terrific program. Yeah. I, I uh, well, appreciate your uh, sharing some of that with our with our audience. I, I, uh, I, I, it's uh, um, not nice to get a global perspective and and. And for whatever reason, as you alluded to, I always take a certain amount of comfort that uh, we all we all share the same same challenges. And uh, and and you know you know at the end of the day, I think uh, we're all also optimists at heart because you know what we're going to show up and do it again next year. But, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it needs uh, to be done. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. That's that's right. <laughs> but uh, it's it's always good to have company in the in the process. Yes. So thanks for spending good. a few minutes with us and. Good luck with the rest of your travels in the program. Thanks, Thank Natasha. Thank you, and I appreciate your time, Dennis. Thank you. Thanks. That's been an, uh, another uh, edition of Voices of the Valley, and uh, thanks to Natasha Shields for, uh, for joining us, and uh, we wish her luck with, uh, with the rest of her program. And we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to the Voices of the Valley's podcast, brought to you today by Nova Home, helping growers grow with heart and soil. Find out more at novihum.com. You can listen to this and other episodes of Voices of the Valleys anytime by subscribing to the podcast. Just search Voices of the Valleys in your favorite podcasting app. Until next time, this has been Voices of the Valleys.